Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down. And while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore, he taught them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. And when the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still, other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. And he said, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Do you have ears to hear this morning? Do you have ears? That's an interesting statement, to have ears to hear. We think typically that's what your ears are used for. Your ears can, are, are primarily there so you can hear stuff, correct? That's basic, that's elementary, that's simple. We should all be there regardless of where you're at in your walk with the Lord. We should all understand the capacity of our ears to hear. But ears can also disconnect. Ears can also get distracted. Ears can also get tainted. Uh, Ears can also listen to stuff that we shouldn't listen to. Uh, Ears by themselves don't have great filters. Ears by themselves uh, can allow whatever inside. And so Jesus is giving a parable here and he makes a statement. He starts right out from the beginning and he says, listen. Listen. Why? Because there's a difference between hearing and listening. Listening demands attention. Listening demands focus. Listening demands uh, a removal, an elimination of distractions. You remember last week we talked about Mary and Martha, right? Jesus shows up to town. Martha invites Jesus and his followers, probably most likely his 12 disciples along with them, into her home. And, you know, Jesus is teaching with the home and Mary's doing what? Mary is sitting down, attentive, focused at the feet of Jesus. Martha's in the same house, in the, in the presence of Jesus, right there with the Almighty One, the Son of God, the Lord, the Savior, the Master, the Creator, the Word of God made flesh in her home. She's in the presence of Jesus. But instead of receiving what Jesus has, she's working so hard to prepare for him that she misses out on receiving from him. And Jesus says, Martha, 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 you are distracted by many things. Mary has chosen the one thing the right thing, in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of everything going on. And and, and we saw this, that what was a distraction to Martha while she's preparing for Jesus began as an invitation of Jesus. And we saw that her invitation yesterday became her distraction today. 
the distractions in our lives. You know, anxiety doesn't always come from stuff you don't want. I'll say that again. Anxiety in your life does not always come from stuff you don't want. You invited it, you welcomed it, you opened the door, you even set up a table before it and you prepared stuff for it and you made it comfy and cozy and and, and convenient and you took care of it, but now it's become a distraction in your life. Now you you claim it's an interruption in your life, but you welcomed it, you invited it in one season. So in anxiety, we have this idea that we just get anxious about stuff that we don't want to, we get anxious about all kinds of stuff. The word anxious or the word worry simply means to divide into parts. It means to divide into parts. It means to become distracted. It means to become unfocused. I believe that we make poor choices when we have too many choices, right? If you will start eliminating some choices, then I can't make so many bad ones. Hello? So we accumulate all these things, and then we wonder why we're making poor, poor choices, poor judgment. Well, we need an elimination. We need a place to lay aside things in our lives that don't need to be, that are clogging things up. I believe this is a time and hour for the church where we have to be more focused and more attentive than we ever have. And there's a lot of things that accumulate and clog up over time. There's a lot of things that are good and a lot of things that aren't so good that we have to go and we have to take inventory and we have to clean house. I told you two weeks ago, I believe we're going to finish this year strong. I just believe that. I don't believe that we have to, oh, 2020. You think that because the calendar changes, your situation changes. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I mean, if you want a good 2021, start now. Set your stuff up now. I love it when people say, well, on such and such day, I'm going to quit this and do this and stop that. No, you ain't. Because it's not a calendar that determines. It's willpower. It's your decision making. It's my my opportunity to walk in and say, I'm going to get rid of stuff. It doesn't need to be there. So I can do what? I can produce a harvest. I can produce fruit. That's what he says here, that, that one out of four, those are, those are sorry. Those are sorry prospects, one out of four. I mean, don't look around the room, but are you the one or are you the three out of the four? I believe this morning we got a bunch of ones. I said, I believe we got a bunch of ones. We got hearers and doers. We got those that welcome the word, apply it, receive it with joy, receive it with gladness, but we'll walk out of here and put it into practice. So I want to walk through each of these four scenarios that Jesus gives us. I want to walk through each of these four scenarios that Jesus gives us and just break them down. Why did we miss it? Why didn't it work in each of these scenarios? And why did it work? In the one scenario. So he jumps down to verse 13. Verse 13, and he explains it. He said to them, don't you understand this parable? By the way, in the previous verses, he, he, he's now turned his attention from the crowd. Remember, he had a, the crowd was so large, he had to go out into a boat, into the sea, to just teach them and minister to them. But now he's turned his attention to his disciples. His disciples came and asked him, what are you talking about? Everybody else, the crowd, the multitude was like, oh, good story, Jesus, awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. But his disciples said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, we need to know something. I need some clarity. Where are you going with this? And that's when he explains that you can have ears but not hear, and you can have eyes and not see, not see what is 
right in front of you. He says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? So he's letting them know this is a precedent-setting event. If you will put to practice and apply the principles that are needed to understand this, it will work for all of them. The revelation of God is not difficult, people. It is not hard. God is working and and driving down his will into your life. It's our focus and our attention that determines if if it's revealed and that we yield to it. God doesn't have to do anything else. God doesn't have to do anything else. God doesn't have to come back down, send his son Jesus, start this thing over, uh, take more stripes on his back, die on the cross again, uh, uh, be ridiculed more. He doesn't have to give you any more than what is in this word. You have enough to succeed right here, right now. So that shifts the responsibility from God, what are you doing to, well, what am I doing? How am I missing it? And we got to take a look at this. The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word, verse 14. Right here off the bat, this is what I get. That when a sower sows, does a sower sow trees? Does a sower sow fruit? Does a a sower sow a plant? No. What's he sow? Seed. Seed. Now, you and I are looking for trees and fruit and plants. And God is looking for trees and fruits and plants. But what's the problem? The problem is, is that we miss what God is doing because we miss how he's doing it. See, God always operates in our life in seed form. God never gives you the completed form of anything. I can give you story after story, parable after parable. David in, 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 the, in the pasture with the sheep, that's a seed. Why? Because it doesn't look like what it can be. It doesn't look like what it will be. It doesn't look like what it has the potential to be. Hello? Moses, a murderer, a liar, insecure, that's called a seed. And that's going to be the man that God uses to take uh, his people out of captivity, out uh, of Egyptian captivity over 400 years and bring them into a promised land and make a nation out of them. Out from, from a broken man that, that, that has run away from his own home nation because he's murdered someone, so insecure, has a stuttering issue. How is this man gonna be the leader? Because God starts with the seed. Abraham is a seed. See, seeds never look like what they can be. Seeds never look like what they have the, pet- what they have the potential to become. God always starts with seeds. So right there off the bat, the word of God, when the word is coming to you, most of the time we will miss it because it doesn't look like it contains the power that it really has. I mean, right now, this is a seed moment. This is a seed moment right now. This is a seed moment. You have decisions every day that are seed moments. When you walk in forgiveness with someone that, you're, that you possibly could hold offense or bitterness towards and you decide to forgive, that's a seed moment. What's that mean? You're not gonna see redemption right there on the spot. But most of the time when you go and you ask for forgiveness for someone that should be asking for forgiveness from you, they're not gonna break down and weep and cry. And, oh, I feel the presence of God. They're gonna be like, what? And you're gonna walk away not feeling any different, not seeing anything any different. But over time, God begins to work. But what will you do with the seed? Because if you mishandle the seed, you'll never handle a tree. 
If you mishandle it in its smallest form, you'll never get to steward over it in its greatest form. If you are faithful with little, you'll be made ruler over much. This is how God operates. So the sower sows the seed. The sower sows the seed, the seed of the word of God. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 tells us that the, that the faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Faith is coming. Right now, faith is coming to you. What will you do with it? I put it this way. Faith comes by hearing. Faith grows by doing. Faith comes by hearing. You can get faith. You can receive faith. But will it grow? Will it develop? Will it become what you need it to be to stand for what you know God has shown you in your life can come to pass? It's got to grow. I liken it to a muscle. Everybody in here has muscles. Everybody. And each of you, all of us, have developed them to greater or lesser degrees. It's the same with our faith. We all have faith. The Bible says we've all been given a measure of faith. But what you have developed it to, what you have grown it to, the capacity that your faith can handle, we're all at different capacities in here. All different walks. But we need to be growing it, developing, and doing something with it. The word comes in seed form. The sower sows the word. And some are like the word sown on the path. This is the first type, the first situation, instance we get. When they hear, watch this, immediately, immediately Satan comes. Man, I wish believers responded to the word the way the devil responds to the word. Hello? Immediately. He's wasting no time coming after the word. Now remember, it's still in seed form. And yet the enemy values the word even in its smallest form. So much so that he'll make sure you don't get a hold of it. Hello? What if believers responded to the word immediately? What if we immediately did something with the word the way the enemy operates and comes immediately to steal it? Don't give him any place. Uh, uh, the Bible tells us do not give place to the devil. What's that mean? That you have control. You give place to the enemy. He doesn't just barge in and say, give me all your stuff. He says, can I come in? And he'll sit there and knock and knock and knock. And eventually you'll let him in and say, oh, why don't you have a seat? Can I make you anything? Can I do anything for you? What do you need? And before you know it, he's stolen all your stuff. Because he comes as a thief to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The enemy will never come into your life and add benefit. He'll never bring increase. You'll never be an advantage because you allowed the enemy into your He always comes to bring you to a deficit. The enemy always shows up to bring you to your worst point. The enemy always comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, and to take from you. He never, you never gain anything from giving place to the devil. And he comes immediately. That tells me that the devil values the word. I said the devil values the word. Right now. Right now, the devil is licking his chops and he's saying, man, wait till, I, wait till you get in the parking lot. You know, a lot of times it doesn't even take but getting in the parking lot for you to lose your Christianity, 
lose your salvation. Luke, forget everything I said. Used to be by the time you got home, maybe Monday morning. Now he doesn't waste it. He doesn't waste any time. He comes immediately to snatch away the word that I'm sowing right now. I'm sowing the word in seed form. I mean, you might be sitting there thinking, what's this gonna do for me? It's a seed. I got up and I came to church. I made the right choice. What's that even gonna do? Listening to Pastor Mark, what's that gonna do? Serving on this team, what's that gonna do? Being a part of the body of Christ, what's that gonna do? Operating in forgiveness, what's that? It's seeds. Small, minute, easily missed moments that God is using to say, will you take care of the little? Will you take care of the least? And the enemy's coming in and saying, I'm gonna snatch it away. I'm gonna take it. Immediately he's coming. He's wasting no time. He's, it, it might be your, 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 your kids throwing a fit in the back seat on the way out of here. It might be the long line at Cheddar's. Forget Cheddar's, bro. Just, I'm telling you right now, you ain't getting in there. I've tried to let you out early. I've tried to go longer. To get clear them out, you waiting. Find another restaurant. The enemy uses all these little moments to what? Snatch away what's been sown. He comes immediately. But man, what if we responded immediately? I said, what if we, some of us are responding to CNN way quicker than you're responding to the word of God. Hello? It's amazing the precautions that people have put in their life. And and, and look, I'm not coming down on any of it. I get all of it. But if you think that that's the guard and the protector of your life and you won't take the same precautions over your marriage, you won't take the same precautions over your family, you won't take the same precautions over your mind, you won't take the same precautions over your heart, you won't take the same precautions with your eyes and your ears, Come on, we look at, we got some, some people that are looking at some stuff at 12 o'clock at night that's contaminating your life way quicker than a virus is. Hello? You've just proven to me you can take precaution. You've just proven to me you can put steps in action to keep you and to prevent barriers and to put places and guards in your life that will secure you and keep you safe. But our spiritual lives we're leaving open and contaminant. We're dying on the inside while we're all balled up on the outside. Come on. Respond to the word immediately. Don't give the enemy time to come in and snatch it. Obey it. Practice it. Do it. Apply it. Speak it. Declare it. Live it. Hold on to it. Hold on to the confession of your faith, he says. Contend for the faith, Jude says. There's got to be an urgency. There's got to be an immediacy. There there's, can't just be, oh, I lay that, you know, leave that. I mean, some of us haven't touched our Bibles, not just since last Sunday, since last year. We've got to do better with taking care of the word of God. The enemy comes immediately. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word sown in them. That's ground number one. Verse 16. And others are like seed, sown on rocky ground. And others are like seed, sown on rocky ground. And when they hear the word, immediately, everyone say immediately. 
immediately they receive it with joy. See, this is why it's important for you to say amen. I'm not just talking about denominational. We're, we're, we're from the quiet church. We don't raise our hands and we don't say stuff. That's fine. But all, all you're doing is you're coming into agreement with the word and you're grabbing a hold of it as it's being spoken. That's why I use a highlighter and, a, and I underline stuff in my Bible. Because I want to immediately grab onto it, immediately receive it. And he says, immediately they receive it with joy. That's the response we want right here, right now. And don't ever look at someone else's response to the word of God and look down on them. Because you don't know what that word, what that seed has done for them. You don't know what that seed is bringing them through. You don't know what answer they just got. You don't know what, 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 what vision just showed up. You don't know what purpose and destiny God just revealed. Never look down on someone for how they respond to the word of God. The word demands a response. The word doesn't work for you if you don't work it. The word doesn't work for you if you don't work it. Immediately, they receive it with joy. So we're on a good track. We're, we're, we're going in the right direction. We're doing a lot better than the seed on the, on the wayside. We're doing a lot better than the seed that got snatched up immediately by the devil. Immediately, they received it with joy. But verse 17 says this, but they have no root. They have no root. They are short-lived. And when distress or persecution comes, watch this, because of the word, they immediately, everyone say immediately, immediately fall away. What good is it if you receive it in here, but you don't hold on to it out there? Okay, so now we're seeing a further step, okay? I can't let it fall by the wayside. I gotta immediately receive it with joy, give it the attention and focus at the moment that, that, that God sows that in my life, births that in my life, shows me the next step. I gotta take action. Take action immediately. Don't wait. But now I've received it with joy. I'm happy while I'm in church. I'm around all. Have you ever noticed how good you feel here? How, how conquering you feel here? Yeah, more than conquerors. Yeah, that's me. Head and, head, I'm the head and not the tail. Yeah, above and not beneath. I got it. Keep it going, Pastor Mark. Robert, Robert say it louder. You know, hit the symbols louder. Let's, let's stay on that song. God, you know, you are good, good. And then out there is, are you good? Are you good? We turn a declaration into a question. You are good? <laughs> right? Now, challenges and persecution. Watch this. That come because of the word, because of the word. Have you ever blamed what you got from God for the persecution that now you get from the world? Well, God, you put me in this situation. You told me to start this business. You told me to marry this person. You told me to get with this program. You told me to go out and do this. I stepped out in faith and now look what you did. It sounds just like the Israelites when they got out from beyond Pharaoh's grip, but now they're standing at the Red Sea and it's like, What'd you do, bring us out here to die? It'd have been better for us in Egypt. Anybody ever had it, it'd have been better if I would have just stayed? Moment, 
Y'all are liars. Y'all just, my gosh. <laughs> You're all a bunch of liars. We've all done it. I followed you and look where I'm at. I did this. I received it with joy. I stepped out and I acted on what you said. And look where it got me. If you go back to the actual record where he was giving the parable, in verse 5 it says, some seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. This is where we look for quick results without enough investment. We look for a quick withdrawal, but we don't want to make the deposit. This is where we are demanding something too soon. This is where we're not allowing the process to do its work. And so our roots don't go down deep enough. Now watch what it says here in verse 6. When the sun came up, when the sun came up. Now let me ask you, I'm going to jog you back a little bit. What are some things that are necessary for healthy plant growth? Just give me some. Water, okay. Good soil, yep. And and sunshine, right? Sunlight. Sun is, the sun is supposed to help you. And yet in this case, it's hurting them. See, when we don't get our roots down deep enough, when we don't allow the word of God to take deep enough and we start making a demand on something without enduring the process, things in our life that were supposed to help us will start to hurt us and will turn on the very things that God has placed in our lives to advance us and grow us and move us forward. It's the testing of your faith that produces patience. The test doesn't come to keep you somewhere. The test comes to get you somewhere. And now we start rejecting persecution and the testing. And you, any teacher can tell you, we test you to move you. We test you to get you out of this classroom. <laughs> We've had enough of you. We've taught you all the principles. You're tested to prove what is already there. So the persecution and the trials and the tests that show up now, that are supposed to help you prove what's inside. You didn't endure the process. The roots didn't go down deep. And now they cause you to struggle and uproot too soon. I have watched people so many times uproot too soon. Uproot too soon. Coming out too soon. And most of the time, nine times out of ten, they tell me God told them. That's amazing. God's going against the very process he put in place. God told me my time, my season's up. My season is up, my season is up is just Christianese for I'm tired and I'm done. Or I'm offended. You apparently have had some pretty hard scenarios there, so <laughs> hallelujah. Come on. We uproot too soon, and then the things show up in our lives that are supposed to be advancing us, they thwart the plan of God in our lives. Let the roots go down deep. Get in soil that is going to build you up. And look, when roots go down, you don't see all that work being done. That's out of sight, out of mind. What was David doing out in that pasture, putting roots down? Because when he went before the giant, what did he say? I took out a bear. I took out a lion. What's he doing? He's leaning on the root system in his life that's now allowing him to produce the fruit in his life. If you don't have the root, you'll never get the fruit. 
What was Abraham doing for 25 years waiting on the promise of God that you would be a father of many nations? Letting roots go down. Letting God prove to him his faithfulness. Letting God show him that I've got this. I am, I am for you, not against you. You are my promise, father of many nations. Roots are going down. Roots are going down. Is it comfortable? No. Is it convenient? No. It's in obscurity. It's out of sight, out of mind. Nobody sees it. It's unattractive. It's in a dark place. It's hidden. You don't even know what God is doing in your life right now, but the roots are going down. Stay rooted. Stay in the ground. Stay in the soil and let the sun and let the water and let the nutrients build you up. And even though it might feel like it's pressing you down, it's really building you up. So that's the second scenario. They receive it with joy, but distress and persecution comes because of the word, and they immediately fall away. They become uprooted. Let the process take place. Verse 18. We got ground one, we got ground two, now we're on ground three. Others are like seed sown among thorns. And these are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in, watch this, and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things Enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. In this scenario, now we have an individual that has heard the word, received it with joy. But what you remove is just as important as what you receive. What you remove will compromise what you receive. And I see this scenario a lot. We got the word. We're in church. We're going through the motions, doing all the right things. But we haven't eliminated, cut off, let go of, cast away the things in our lives that are holding us back. And ultimately, one is going to override the other. Either your spirit's gonna override your flesh or your flesh is gonna override your spirit. And I see this so many times where there is not an elimination. There is not a removal. There is not a cutting away. John chapter 15, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. And he said, the one that uh, doesn't produce, it's cut off, it's eliminated. And the one that does produce, it's cut on, pruned, so that you can produce more. There's going to be a cutting either way. You're either cut off or you're cut on. You're either removing stuff out of your life or you're removed altogether. And there needs to be an elimination. Worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and they choke. Why? Because we haven't eliminated. We haven't removed. We haven't, sure, we're, we're doing all the right things. We're hearing the word. We're receiving the word. We're dancing and singing the songs and playing the worship music. But we haven't eliminated things in our lives that show up just at the right convenient times. The enemy knows how to lie in wait. 
The enemy knows how to let you think you're doing well on your own, and then he'll show up through the thing you didn't eliminate. And notice it says it doesn't choke you out. It chokes the word out. Why? Because ultimately the enemy is after the word. The enemy doesn't care about you. I said he doesn't care about you. But he cares about the word. And he, he cares about the word of the king where there is power getting inside of you, the believer, and you grabbing a hold of that and you becoming a force for the kingdom of God. But what's he do? He comes through the things that we don't eliminate, the friends, the things, the stuff, the worries, the attractions, the deceitfulness. We always want God to share space with all the other stuff we've accumulated. And God is saying, I don't share space. I don't share space. It might even be in an area where you are applying your faith in God and God is saying, I will share my glory with no one. I will prove that it was not your way that made this happen. It was not this business that made you successful. It was not those friends and those people. Sometimes, look, it doesn't, it's not just eliminating sinful things. Cut off every sin and weight that so easily besets us. What are the weights? What are the things that you are leaning on? What are the things you're holding on to? You know, sometimes we, we have a backup plan for God. It's okay if God is plan A, but God wants you to remove plan B. And some of us have, oh, I'll walk in faith, but just in case that didn't work out, I'm going to hold on to this credit card. Come on. I'm not going to quit that job just yet. And he's been telling you, step out in faith, let the job go. I will provide. Well, you know, that, that, that's stupid. I mean, in, in this time and in, in, in day and age, and we don't know who's going to be president and we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, th this is the wrong time. God says, I know. It's always the right time to trust him. It's always the right time to trust in God. God doesn't need a plan B. God doesn't need a backup plan. And, and you know, Abraham tried that. Just in case you don't come through, I got this woman over here. And we can make it happen there. Sarah's the problem. He had plan B. And plan B ended up being a thorn in his side later on. Even though God still came through, plan B still to this day is a thorn in the side of God's people in the Middle East. Today. You don't think your plan B is, is insignificant? You don't, you don't think it's that small? It is. The enemy wants you to think little of it now, but he's going to use it against you later on. Hello? God doesn't need a backup plan. God doesn't need a plan B. When he's plan A, he's the only plan you'll ever need. Because those are the things that end up coming and choking out what God's trying to do. Choking out the word that he's sowing in your life. Choking it out. Distinct, or extinguishing it. Thwarting it in your life. These are the distractions that we're talking about. Remove, eliminate, cut off, cut away. Let go of everything that's holding you back from the plan of God. 
choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 20, ground four. Ground one, ground two, ground three, ground four. And those like seed sown on good ground. Well, what's that good ground like? They hear the word. And by the way, just pointing this out, in all four situations, all four, every single one, they heard the word. Ground one, seed sown by the wayside, they heard the word. They didn't receive it with gladness immediately, didn't receive it with joy. The enemy comes and he steals it, snatches it immediately. Ground two, they heard the word, received it with joy, but they didn't allow the process of the root system to take place and they have no fruit, they don't produce. They heard the word. Ground three, they heard the word, received it with joy, but they didn't cut off and eliminate things in their life that eventually came back and choked out the word. But they heard the word. Now we have ground four, and those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, watch this, welcome it. Welcome it. Remember we talked about what are you welcoming in your life? What are you inviting in your life? What are you looking? When you welcome it, you take care of it. You foster it. You, you nurture it. You're, you're taking care of it. You're doing everything that you need to do to make sure this thing does not remain a seed. It can come as a seed, but it can't remain as a seed. It's got to grow. It's got to develop. It's got to take a root system so it'll stand strong underneath persecution. I got I to gotta cut things off of it, prune things back so they won't choke it out later. I've got to hear the word, welcome it. The New King James Version says they apply the word, practice the word. What the word does for you is dependent on what you do with the word. What the word does for you. See, everybody right now, you're, you're one of four, but all scenarios heard the word. What was the difference in the scenarios, what did they do with the word? Will you protect it enough? Will you, will you receive it today with joy and with gladness? Immediately receiving it and not giving any place to the devil to come and snatch it? Will you make sure that you meditate on it, stay in the word, allow the roots to go down so when persecution and distress shows up, it doesn't push you off of the word? that you don't complain to God for the situation that he put you in? Will you go home and eliminate and prune and cut back and remove things that will later try to come and choke the word? If you'll do those things, it will produce 30, 60, and 100-fold in your life. Guaranteed. I said guaranteed. It happens every scenario where you do what you need to do with the word of God, it will produce. The Bible says that the word will not return void. It will accomplish what it says it will do. God never speaks a word to say a thing. God speaks his word to do a thing. God never speaks a word just to say something. God speaks to do something. We, in the English language, we use our words to say things. 
But God in the kingdom uses words to do things. That's literally how he works. He says, let there be light and there's light. He says, you are, you are made whole and you are made whole. He says, you are healed. He says, I will heal you and you are healed. He says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and you are the righteousness. He's not just declaring something. He's doing something in your life through his word. What will you do with the word? What will you do with the word? Mark chapter four, verse 24, jumping on down. I need this one in the Amplified. I want you to see this in the Amplified. Mark four, verse 24. I'm sure most of you didn't bring your Amplified Bible with you unless you are on a digital device and you can go to whatever version we're using. Mark 4, 24 in the Amplified reads this way, and he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. Are we being careful with what we're hearing in this day and age? Are we being careful with what we're hearing? Are we being careful with what we are letting in? Or do we have the proper filters in our lives to weed out the things that we don't need to be listening to, hearing, uh, 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 giving attention to, giving focus to? And I'll even take it a step further. He didn't say be careful what you're listening to. He said be careful what you're hearing. That means even subconsciously in the background. What is the white noise in your life? What is the background noise in your life? What is the the playlist that's taking place in the background? Oh, I'm not really, you know, I'm on Facebook, but I don't really read all that stuff. I I, I have the news on, but I don't really pay attention to it. Oh, it's, it's getting in. It's getting in. You leave the back door open. He will come right in and he will snatch and he will steal and he will kill and he will destroy. Eliminate it. Cut it off. You don't even need it in the background. Hello? You don't even need it in the background. You don't even need the noise playing. I remember one time, I think we were in Old Navy or in the mall somewhere in Camden. Camden was probably only two or three at the time. And he was, uh, we were waiting on my wife. Any man ever been in that scenario? You're not doing any shopping. You're waiting on, we're just waiting. No, no, that's never happened. We were just waiting. We were sitting like on one of the little pedestal thing with the mannequins or something. We're just sitting there. And music's obviously playing. And Camden is like moving his foot and moving his, to the music. And I pulled my phone out and recorded him. And he never noticed. And I said, man, you're really getting into it. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you were just dancing to the music. You were, you like this song or something? And he's like, I wouldn't dance. And I pulled the video up and showed him. I had proof. That's you. Didn't even know he was doing it. I wonder what the background noise in our life is getting us to do that we don't even realize we're doing it until someone shows us we're doing it. I'm not bitter. I can show you proof that you're bitter. I'm not in fear. I can show you proof that you're in fear. Come on. We talk a good talk. But the background noise has got us doing things we would never do intentionally. But he's got us doing it subconsciously. Be 
careful what you are hearing, he says. For the measure of thought and study you give. The measure of thought and study you give. What's that? That's the attention. That's the focus. That's being intentional. That's the immediacy of the word. That's, that's taking care of all these things that we said to make sure that I immediately get a hold of the word. I receive it with joy. I, I, I don't allow persecutions and distress to come and move me, but I put the roots down deep and I prune back and I cut back and I eliminate the things that shouldn't be there. That's the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. And more besides. In every occasion they heard the word, but it wasn't the hearing that set them free. You know, salvation isn't what sets you free. I said salvation is not what sets you free. Otherwise, that verse would say, and salvation set them free. No, it's the truth. And it's what you do with the truth that sets you free. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you know whose responsibility that is? Yours, ours, mine. Your mind is no one else's responsibility. Your thinking is no one else's responsibility. Your mindset is no one else's responsibility. God, he's a transforming God, yes. He's a delivering God, yes. He's a chain-breaking God, yes. He's a way-maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. He does all those things. But if you don't give the attention, you don't give the focus, you don't place the demand, you don't live with intentionality and immediately take hold of it, the enemy will come and he will snatch it. Worship team, if you come, he'll snatch it. It's a simple word. It's a simple word. And, it's the, and in this day and age, at this time, you've heard me all year long, all 862 days of this year, you've heard me say, we are the answer. And God saw fit in 2020 to make sure you were in the earth to be the difference at this time. It's in you. It's in you. But we are nothing without the word. What an honor to live in 2020. I'm serious. I'm not joking. I'm serious. What an honor to live at this time. Paul didn't live at this time. David didn't live at this time. Moses didn't live at this time. Jesus didn't even come at this time. I know we all wish he would, but he hasn't yet. That means there's still work to do. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. 
And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.